Robert. Robert. Uh, John's holding his thumb up as if um, the people listening on radio are listening to the podcast. No, I, I, do, I do a couple of things special for the visual medium because, you know, we used to be on television a lot. I don't know if you remember that. Yes, but we the, the whole premise was we ignored television. Well, I did in any event. Ignore the cameras, do oh, your radio show, and and the fact that they're covering it, it's it's the kid sneaking the look over the outfield fence at Ebbets Field in the nineteen fifties. You're, 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 you're telling me, you're telling me this, you're telling me this. I mean, we uh, last I checked, your little show was not the first TV radio show on television in our country. So let's get that straight, okay? It was the only. It was the. It was the first and really only radio show of any significance. To be on oh, television. Eh, wrong. Go ahead, wrong, tell me. Wrong. Leafs TV. Leafs TV did two hours Monday to Friday, of noon what? to two. Of what? Leafs lunch every every day. It was fantastic. It was great television. You're gonna tell me that Leafs lunch was a bigger, better show than primetime sports? No, I'm saying, it was, I'm saying it was first, and all you did and your buddy Millman did was copy. It was copy. You know, imitation, the greatest form of flattery. Thank you very well, much. I got, news, I got news for you. Before you did it, um, MSNBC did it with Don Imus. So don't did, tell me I, how I you was, I, I was talking about in this country. No, you weren't. I wasn't you, talking you're about just, that. But you're country. backtracking now. That's all No, I'm not. That's exactly I mean, what I mean, you're you, doing. You, 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 so now you're trying to tell me you're Don Imus? No, but I sat and watched Don Imus when I was living in Las Vegas and brought oh. that concept back to the fan. So, oh, well, good. It's good to be. I'm glad you came and you were second. It's good. I don't mind being second. Well, you were. As long as at the end, you're number one. Uh, we'll discuss how other. Did that, how did that work out? Uh, for 31 years, pretty good. <laughs> uh, and I managed oh, to drag your sorry ass into this business as well. <laughs> Instead of being a behind the scenes manipulator, Geppetto, well, the Geppetto okay. of the uh, television industry. <laughs> uh, coming up, one of our uh, one of our friends. Um, I'm going to get a chance to meet him face to face for the first time. He he was on the radio program many 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 times. Um, from Sports Business Journal, John Oren uh, will uh, join us, and uh, we'll uh, commence to talking to him about uh, the Masters, sports media in general, the NHL deal, the NFL deal, uh, baseball, antitrust in the news again. All that coming up after these messages. There are uh, never a shortage of topics to discuss when it comes to uh, sports and media and deals and uh, who's doing what with whom and to whom off of the uh, playing field. And nobody better to talk to than uh, John Orand of uh, Sports Business Journal. Uh, good to take time for us. Uh, nice to see you. Um, I guess off the top, the most recent development or intrigue, I suppose, the ratings for the Masters this year. Uh, I gather were not what they would have hoped or expected. Is that accurate? Um, uh, certainly not what they would have hoped. I think with the uh, uh, a non-English speaking foreign player uh, running away with it, uh, it, that didn't help the TV ratings in, in the States. Um, uh, it wasn't particularly competitive, uh, but if I'm, if I'm golf, I, I'm viewing that as an anomaly. I think that take a look at the ratings 
for golf tournaments throughout the spring on Golf Channel, on CBS and NBC, they're up substantially. I think golf right now is sitting in a really good place with really good young um, golfers that, that viewers, you know, nobody's going to replace Tiger, but, but they have a nice young, young roster uh, that's there. And what happened during the Masters, I feel is, is an, well, I, I don't want to make a prediction, but it, it looks to be an anomaly. I mean, we'll, we'll keep our eyes on it to see, see if it continues cascading downwards through the season. But yeah. so far, early signs are pretty good. Uh, foreign player um, leading the tournament. Um, you might expect that, although many foreign Leading by a have, lot, Bob. Leading yeah, by a lot. Foreign players have won this tournament in the past, and um, Spieth was in contention going into the, the final round. I wonder if it just fell off when um, the lead got to be six shots and people just kind of clicked off. Maybe that's what happened, huh? I think that was part of it, but I, I think that this is a different foreign player than uh, than you know other Europeans that have come in. This is somebody somebody that needs a translator, like he, he's somebody that's unable to connect with the U.S. fan base or English speaking fan base, and I it, it's hard for them. For, it's hard to ha have ratings go up in that sort of scenario. I think. Sure, it would be a little frustrating too for the people at, at CBS uh, and ESPN and the Masters Group too, because they invested so much more in technology this year. When when you think of, let's face it, I don't think we've seen better pictures ever from Augusta than we saw for those four days. Can you imagine uh, Augusta National allowing drones to, uh, I'm really curious to see when they have a full gallery there, what they're gonna do with the with the drones. Uh, cause cause they, they sort of had free reign over the course. And the Masters is, you know, it, it's so old school, but it's my favorite golf tournament because you just have, I bought a big screen TV, you know, decades ago, right? You just, it's a big, beautiful picture. There's there's no like uh, on-screen graphics that are cluttering up the screen. All you see is like beautiful azaleas, well-manicured golf course. It's, it, I just think it's a, a treat to watch. Not well, only I... the drone, not only the drones, but two, two holes, 16 and seven, both had cable cams something that we're used to seeing in NFL stadiums, but not necessarily on a golf course. Well, these are uh, the technologies that uh, have been around for a while, but as usual, um, the membership at Augusta is uh, reluctant to jump any into anything too quickly. Robert, even to the point of, uh, there, there's that broadcast window in the States where the, the CBS couldn't come on until mid-afternoon and people that are used to watching every shot, you know, that they're they're frustrated, but there there was a demand of people. I, I think that there is a demand that waits and 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 uh, tunes in at the one time to say it's it's almost like watching a sporting event back in the 1990s again. It's a, a very retro feel to it. Well, I think we all recall when the Masters used to come on, and as you mentioned, they would only show the last either three or four holes. I can't remember if they showed 15 or not. I know they showed 16, 17, and 18, maybe 15 as well. But over the years, they've moved it back a little bit and a little bit. We get a chance to see other holes which, with which we are now familiar. We saw a lot of shots from the first hole, which just a few years ago, you wouldn't see any shots from there. So that evolution has been uh, eye-opening, to be sure. The other, thing, the other thing, Bob, is to, you know, this was the first, and John, correct me if I'm wrong, but this was the first Masters in 
modern times without either Frank Cherkinian or Lance Barrow involved. Uh, and when you consider that Barrow was a Cherkinian disciple, the style of coverage of golf on CBS with those two guys, and particularly at, at the Masters, it changed a little bit. And much more technology as we talked about. But even the overlying, you know, certainly we have the announcers saying the same thing, doing the same thing. But the overlying aspects of how the game was covered and how, how golfers was covered changed with the new production people, I think. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, they, they brought in that one camera that Fox pioneered that, that uh, focuses on one player and everything else gets blurred. So it almost is like mm -hmm. you're watching a video game. It's like an, H, an 8K picture and, and a regular HD. Uh, and, and like you said, with the, the, the cable cam, with the drones, I mean, there was so much more tech. You don't ever associate the masters with technology, but, but it, it did have that a, a much different feel than it has in the past several decades. I'm not well, sure what, what we've seen too from, uh, sorry, John, what we've seen too from uh, TSN here in Canada, who have carried it for uh, several years, uh, we saw once again, multi-channels of uh, sections of the golf course mm -hmm. from literally 10 a.m. or so. Uh, so you, you know, if you were interested in guys that were teeing off early in the early days of you know, early uh, rounds of the court of the tournament, that would be applicable. You got a chance to see them play virtually every hole. And um, just by clicking around. And Robert, we're, we're three old guys. So we're, of course, focused on TV. But you, yeah. could, you could go online and watch every shot uh, just about. I mean, just a, they, they did make that available, which, again, for Augusta National is, is a pretty big step to take. Are you inclined to do that? Do, do you, with your, because of your job or because of your level of interest and sophistication in technology? Did you I go online? Am, uh, um, uh, I loved watching golf majors and, and big golf events. Uh, I'm not the, the type of rabid fan that would go and, and, and seek it out uh, via streaming. I was, I was content enough to, to wait for, uh, <laughs> for the big screen to, to, to watch it there. We want to we talk about the NHL deal, which is uh, partly done, the NFL deal, uh, et cetera, um, an antitrust movement in, in baseball. But in general... Uh, what we have seen is a dramatic reduction in sports media across North America. A lot of it, well, let me ask you, you know, the assumption at the beginning when we saw people being laid off and not replaced was that this was all COVID related. And, you know, I guess there's, it's fair to say there was an assumption that if the pandemic, when the pandemic passed, people would be rehired, things would go back to normal. I'm not sure that's going to happen. How do you feel about it? No, it's, it's definitely not going to happen. I think that uh, we have uh, big media companies that are focused on their bottom line that have figured out how to produce uh, events and games in a cheaper way than in the past. And so a lot of the, a lot of the people that have been let go, there aren't, those jobs aren't, aren't, aren't there for them anymore. They, they, they figured out, you know, the, uh, Fox at the very beginning of the pandemic figured out how to do a NASCAR race with nobody actually at the race. Like they, they had a couple of camera operators at the race, but they, they were doing it from LA. They were doing it from Charlotte. They were using the entire country to put, put up, uh, do the replays, put up the graphics, have the announcers. Uh, and they realized like, you know, they, they can do it for sort of run of the mill events. I think that you have big time events. Super Bowl is always going to have people there. I think the Stanley Cup finals, you're always going to have people there. 
but let's say a February college basketball game between like, you know, Temple and South Carolina, like they're going to do that from Bristol. Like they're, they're not going to send people to, uh, to stay in, you know, the four seasons and build up a, an, an expense account. Uh, uh, and and they, they figured out how, how to do it much cheaper. Um, and before I ramble too much, one thing about the pandemic in, in every aspect of it is that there, there were trends that were happening before the pandemic that during the pandemic, they just accelerated. And I think that's totally what we're seeing right now with uh, sports TV production. Were we seeing, were there actually broadcasters that were not going to events before the pandemic? For very small games, yeah, they, 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 they okay. were doing that. But, uh, um, but, but now that, that, that line for what's a small game is, is going up a, a, a lot more. So, you know, I, I referenced the college basketball game between two sort of mid-major schools. You know, what if it is a, a January game between two ACC schools, mm -hmm. you know, that, um, you know, are, are sort of mid-table? Like, you know, the, 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 what, what if it's a, an NBA game that's way out West and ESPN doesn't want to send everybody there? Like, can they announce it from, from Bristol? I, th those are decisions that they're, that they're going to make. Well, we're, we're seeing that um, on cable TV in both countries uh, at the professional level too. When you consider that uh, most NHL teams and NBA teams aren't traveling their local announcers to games. You know, if, if you go to, if the Wizards go to uh, New Orleans, the Wizards announcers, for the most part, are still in Washington. And you, uh, know how, that's, you know how the media companies are viewing that, John, is I'm a Wizards fan, so thank you for bringing that up. So <laughs> I, I notice that the announcers are, are just calling what I'm actually seeing. They're not doing anything more than that. It's, it's not a, as good of a, an experience for me as a viewer, but Agreed. I'm a fan and I'm tuning in anyway. So they got me, right? right? So, I, right. Well, so that leads me to the question is, at what point does the viewer push back or will they, or will they push back? Are there enough people that can discern the difference? And my, my personal answer is, I don't think there are enough people that can, that can find the difference. I think that there are most people, 80 to 90% will say, well, it's good enough for me. Yeah, John, I'm going to answer that. What do I think and what do I hope? I hope people well, both. are in the difference. <laughs> but yeah, I'm a, I, I, I got to agree with you, right? Well, and I'll tell you the sports, because uh, I've noticed this kind of stuff too. The small arena sports, hockey, basketball, for example, what announcers are looking at on the screen, which is what we're looking at on a, on a screen, pretty much is the focus of attention under any circumstance. But the broader, the bigger the scope of the field of play, um, it starts to become really interesting. Baseball, for example, um, that feel of understanding how hard a ball is hit and whether it has a chance to go out of the ballpark or not, mm -hmm. uh, whether the fielder is lined up uh, or the ball is going to go into the gap, those are things... I mean, I try and do it when I watch on television, and it's very, very difficult, almost impossible to discern. Uh, football, too, especially color guys, being able to look outside the scope of the television camera and discern whether a receiver was open downfield or, you know, those kinds of things. That's what you miss. And it, it's, I wonder over time whether we're just becoming used to what we've been subjected to for the last 13, 14 months or whether we're eventually going to say, hang on a second, 
I want you to go back and do what you did before. Yeah, and I think that there's just sort of growing up in the business, you know, it used to be a broadcast business and they would have, you know, people there and they'd spend a lot of money on production and and they, they would, you know, they would have questions, questions get answered right away. So like in a basketball game, there's a technical foul and the announcer from the studio in Bethesda, Maryland is saying like, well, there's a technical foul. Let's wait and see what it, what it, what it is because mm-hmm. they know as much as we know. Exactly. And so I need that question answered as a viewer and I need it answered rather quickly. And I, I want them to tell me as opposed to us sort of finding out together almost. One of the well, there's a, and there's things- a lot of suits. Hey, hold on, Bob. There's a lot of suits, though, sitting in offices saying, uh, you know, what America and Canada are doing is they're just replicating now what the rest of the world has done for years. Because with, with multiple languages, the, the European Broadcast Union in 44 countries has called every sport off tube for years. I mean, when you look at Olympics, that's, that's the life at the Olympics for a lot of countries. And now it's becoming that way in Canada and the United States as well. So in many ways, from a technology perspective, um, we, we've been behind a lot of these people at the same time. And basketball to me is the best example because if your court side is two announcers and, and you can hear the coach walk by and you can hear the, the, the diatribe that he gives the referees before he gets the technical, then that's worth having those two guys there and explain what happens. But there's a lot of people that are saying, well, you know what? Canada, United States, you're just you're joining the rest of the world now, so get used to it. Yeah, John, it's uh, it's funny. Uh, I remember distinctly 2008 uh, when uh, Dick Ebersol was running uh, NBC, and the, the the Olympics were in Beijing, and they spent so much to make that. That was one of the biggest productions I've ever seen. They spent so much on a set, on sets in Beijing. They took a ton of people in Beijing. Well, I didn't go to to the Olympics. I stayed in the states. And one of the one of the days I went up to Thirty Rock, and on the Saturday night studio st- uh, uh, set, they had little phone booths set up, probably about twenty of them, and they had announcers in each of them calling games remotely. I mean, so mm-hmm. even sort of these big old broadcast veterans that un- understand having people at, at, at on site matters. Even then, it was a, a cost conscious decision. And 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 it was worth worthwhile to do that. So yeah, certainly now that they're counting counting beans a lot more regularly. I mean, in the states we have cord cutting. Uh, ESPN is is losing subscribers, and uh, nobody knows when when that's going to end. All the other networks are are facing the same sort of thing. They're looking to cut costs wherever they can, and that's a really easy way to do it. One of the first things that we noticed with this uh, pandemic was uh, and and people not traveling, media not traveling was the remote Zoom um, interview. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and we kind of quickly become, I guess, used to that to some extent. And John and I have opined about whether, you know, the face-to-face post-game thing will come back. Um, do you think it will? Do you think the media in general, if play-by-play people don't go to the arenas anymore, Will the will the print media will will others and and will we see news conferences with people actually sitting in seats in front of a podium? I feel like uh, I don't know if we're going to see news conferences with people in seats in front of a podium, but I do feel like that that aspect is going to come back. I feel like the leagues want that to come back because media turns into a marketing arm for them. 
and I think that you know most reporters that I know don't get their stories from those big press conferences where you, know, you ask a question and then everybody know what knows what your story angle is and you get pulled up and you want to buttonhole the guy in the corner of the of the locker room and just just talk or just learn and so I think that aspect of it happens but yeah I'm in print media we've been mm-hmm. going through this for a long time is it worth to go on a west coast road swing i mean can can we can we pass that up and sort of you know watch the the uh, the, the television uh, the game on television and, and report off that or get get ap to cover it i can tell you right now the players enjoy having no media in the, in their in their locker rooms and dressing rooms and i think that there's going to be i i really do think that it's going to be a it may be quiet but there's going to be pushback from the athletes to say hey if we can just keep this up, this is really nice. This is much more enjoyable for me to do my job because they don't really understand that, you know, the media reporters of every level are part of the marketing of the game. They just don't like to get interviewed. Yeah. And that's a fascinating difference of, of uh, just sports now is that they used, it used to be uh, before my time even where, you know, they would use the media to sort of get their name out there. And they don't need that anymore. They have social accounts. They have, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, the uh, Players' Tribune that they, they, they have a lot. They, they can really manage their own messages much more effectively than giving it to a media member and praying that that media member treats them in a way that they want to be treated. Uh, more to discuss. Uh, the uh, NHL deal, it's uh, partly done in the U.S. The NFL deal, some changes there. And... Um, the notion of baseball losing its antitrust exemption. We've heard this story before, but it has resurfaced. We'll address all those things when we return with John Orand of uh, Sports Business Journal after these messages. Bob McCowan, John Shannon, and John Orand of uh, Sports Business Journal. NHL deal um, in the U.S., well, here in Canada, it's done for how many more years? What sports I think left? I think six, six more. It was a 12-year deal, Bob. I remember it was a 12-year deal, John, and I remember it was $5.2 billion, and I... uh, $5.2 billion Canadian dollars, not American dollars, Canadian dollars. Big difference. Well, that's what I I spend here, so uh, (laughs) I don't know what the relevance of that exactly is. Uh, And I do remember that day very, very well. Uh, So they have a new deal in the U.S., and a big chunk of it is with Disney, but not a lot with ESPN. Um, I think John reminded me just before you came on uh, that. Um, what do you think, John? Only about four of uh, twenty-five. Games? I don't. I don't think there is. A, I mean, I think that there's been a real shift, and you correct me if I'm wrong, John. A, a real shift to that cord-cutting world, and ESPN and ABC not having many regular season games, maybe even just one a week uh, for for the regular season before we get to the playoffs, and. A lot of this is dedicated to uh, helping Hulu and and other online and ESPN Plus and other online issues. Correct? You know, there's there there are two ways to, at, at looking at this, and, and one is certainly that aspect. Um, the the uh, ESPN and ABC have a 25 game uh, regular season package, and the the brutal honesty is regular season NHL games don't rate. They're not considered to be valuable for TV networks. Uh, the, the reason that uh, ESPN paid as much money as it paid was for the, uh, the playoffs in the Stanley Cup, which, which, rate, uh, which rate pretty well, 
and for the uh, getting getting the streaming package. So so that twenty five is sort of you know uh, Gary Bettman wanting to make sure that he has a regular season package that is available to the to to a mass audience, which is what what TV provides. Um, that said. My takeaway, and I know we're going to talk about the NFL in a bit, but my takeaway with both the NFL and the NHL deals is, especially coming from the discussion we just had on, you know, remote production and, and the business of, of sports media is, you know, cost cutting right now. These are such big bets on linear television. And it's, I, I, I'm not sure if I find it surprising, but I just find it to be a statement. I think the last NHL deal that they did with NBC I'm pretty certain everybody was talking about like, well, let's see what the next time that the rights come up, you know, Amazon or Google or Facebook or you you name the digital company was going to come in, swoop in and and take it a, a, a significant part of the rights. And that didn't happen. That you're going to be able to watch for the next seven years, all of the playoffs and all of the Stanley Cup finals on television in the United States. And I think that's that's somewhat significant. At the same time, uh, what I think uh, ESPN did, did that was smart and, and the NHL too, is they have a really significant um, streaming presence on ESPN plus and, and on Hulu. And you know, for, uh, for ESPN, for, for, for the media companies, the NHL fan bases are uh, considered to be rabid fan bases. Uh, and, and so if, if they're gonna, they're, the really cool part of this deal to me is the deal that puts a significant number of games, uh, I forget off the top of my head, on Hulu and on ESPN Plus that are gonna be- I think it's a hundred. Yeah, and they're gonna be exclusive. So if I wanna watch Alexander Ovechkin in my hometown on a couple of days, he's gonna be on Hulu and ESPN Plus. And if I'm a rabid Caps fan, and there are a lot of them down here, they're gonna subscribe and you're gonna see numbers go up. So they're less dependent on traditional ratings than they are sort of having content that draws uh, subscribers in, in, in to watch it. So it's a, it, it, it's a, that's a really cool deal that I, I suspect is gonna really help uh, the subscriber numbers on ESPN Plus and Hulu in the same way that UFC has helped those numbers. And a lot of, uh, they have a lot of deals with college conferences as well. 20 years ago, maybe more, we were having debates about the merits of pay-per-view and uh, of sports um, programming. And about the only thing that really worked, if correct me if I'm wrong, were big time boxing events. Um, there wasn't a whole lot else that worked as a pay-per-view function. And now what these networks have done, it would seem, is turned it into a, it's still pay-per-view essentially, but you have to subscribe to a service, a specific service in order to watch what you wanna watch. Um, they tried it. Um, by putting games, I mean, he, on the NHL, uh, Western Canada, I uh, even when you were running Leafs TV, John uh, Shannon didn't. Did you do exclusive games from time? Yes, to time? we did. Yeah, we did. We, in fact, the last two years over there, we had a fifteen to twenty game package. But I mean, in the end, isn't cable TV pay per view? I mean, let's. I mean, it's all semantics well, yes. in the end. Come on now. Yes. Well, okay, but I'll 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 buy that. I mean, big event is big event. Ninety nine dollars to watch boxing or or to watch uh, WrestleMania. That's that's at a different level. 
Well, I'll and give that's you that. Worldwide. That's worldwide. But that's, you know, for the, the, the territory of Canada, the United States and, and sports distribution. That's why cable TV and then these streaming packages are, are making a difference in, in these two countries. Well, but if I'm pay, if I'm in the U.S. and I'm paying for ESPN and essentially paying for Fox and but and, and I don't get and, and I mean, I get my uh, my, you know, traditional four big networks, ABC, NBC, CBS and I guess Fox. Um, now I'm being asked to buy at least one other service that I may have had no interest in just to get one or two games. I, I just wonder. Um, tell me about that evolution, Mr. Oren. Do you know, is that uh, is it does it seem logical to you and 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 will it work? The. Um, I, I think you're both right. That's, <laughs> how's that for, for splitting the difference there? Um, right now you have. Uh, if you if you're a big soccer fan and you just want to watch soccer, you're going to have to subscribe to Paramount Plus. You're going to have to subscribe to Peacock. You're going to have to subscribe to ESPN Plus, and you're going to have to have a cable subscription as well. And I'm sure there there, there are other ones that that are out there. Mm-hmm. Every media analyst I talk to and and media executive I talk to believes that there is going to eventually be some sort of merger or some of these services aren't, aren't, aren't necessarily going to work or you're going to end up with a bundle, you know, like almost like the cable bundle uh, that, that, that happened there. But I think that what um, the NHL did that I think was really smart is that uh, I, I referenced the, the, you know, the, the games on, on Hulu. If, if I'm a rabid hockey fan, I'm going to find those games. If I'm not a rabid fan, I'm not going to find those games. You're only catering to your hardcore fan base on streaming right now. And so these deals that, that put it on, I guess cable's pay-per-view, but you get a lot of casual fans that sample your product on cable. You get even more casual fans that sample your product on broadcast television. And so I think sort of having, having them go a, a little bit both ways mm-hmm. yeah. it works. And I think there's also a point of, you don't have to see it's only recent history relatively speaking that you can see every single game i mean it's not necessarily a birthright to see every single game so if you don't want to get that added package you know you don't have to you are old if you're seeing that john if you're <laughs> so you listen on so the radio that, am radio john yeah that's it <laughs> so now um before we talk about the nfl because i think you just tweaked me to something else uh, fox the regional fox sports networks in the united states sold uh, sold to Sinclair. Sinclair sold the naming rights to Bally. We saw the unveiling of Bally Sports two weeks ago. Um, but is this, this is now the latest, forget about pay-per-view, forget about streaming. What we're doing is we're marrying cable TV on a regional basis to sports gambling. That's the next step, isn't it? Really? Um. I, yes, that's a, yes, 100%. Yes, that's the next step in terms of media companies and, and leagues and teams looking for new revenue streams and seeing this lim- seemingly limitless uh, revenue potential of sports gambling, which is, which, which is out there. I have, um, uh, I have a lot of doubt about uh, th- there's going to be a shakeout, of course, with sports gambling and, you know, uh, wh- whether or not I'm, I'm going to go and interact with you know, uh, and bet on whether or not, you know, Ovi scores two goals and has an assist in this game is like, I, 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 I haven't seen an application yet 
that mm -hmm. would would would, uh, would convince convince me to sort of bet on sports as I'm watching sports uh, 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 outside of who wins and loses and a few prop prop, prop bets. Well, yeah, I was going to say, but is it isn't it going to be about your phone? Isn't it be about or your or, your, or the the second screen? You watch the game. You got your second screen. Yeah, but either you're, you're inclined be... to do that or you're not, John. You know, I mean, I no, think but but Bob, this goes back to but with with all due respect, you know, our age, our age is not really where they want to go. Yeah, 19, true. 20 year old, 30, 35 year old guys and females that love the risk reward and they have credit cards. Whew, it's easy I'm to not do argue and it's I'm fun. I'm arguing that point. Look at uh, what the, the point I want to bring up is the hypocrisy of these leagues who for decades did everything they could under the premise that there was something um, evil about wagering on sporting events. Um, and, and really what I said repeatedly was they're not against wagering on it. They're against the fact that they don't get a take. That was really the issue. Um, and I've told the story before of sitting in Caesar's palace years ago when they used to have a bunch of chairs that were in the shape of footballs. And you could order, you could book these chairs to sit in a, in a football helmet um, of your favorite team to watch the game on the big, on the giant screens. Even got to the point where people were paying money to be able to sit in those, in those helmets. And the leagues, after years of not being able to generate any revenue from um, sports gaming, uh, filed an action that forced the legal sports books in Nevada to not be able to use the nicknames of the NFL teams on the board um, when you made a bet. And the New York Jets became um, the New York A's for AFC, and the New York Giants became the New York N's for NFC. They couldn't use the nicknames, they couldn't use the logos, anything else. And now they want to get into bed with them. All of a sudden, because there's money to be made, this whole philosophical gambling is eagle, evil um, premise has disappeared. So I just want to point out that hypocrisy before we move on. Let me, let me defend the leaks for a quick second, because you're generally right. But also in, in America, market by market, gambling has become legalized. So it's become le uh, almost less of... Um, you know, it, it used to be just in Vegas and I guess Atlantic City, and now it's, it's in, I don't know how many states, 20 out of 50 states now. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's something that's almost more acceptable. You know, uh, uh, you're right in what you said, but it's a, it's a different sort of marketplace and a different uh, public viewpoint. Towards well, all, all I'm going to say in response to that, John, is the National Football League would have let Caesars Palace keep the helmets if they, if they would have paid for it. <laughs> sure, but hey, so, Bob, you know, we all want to make money. You know, we all want to make even I, you. I'm, 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 I'm simply pointing out a truism <laughs> that that this <laughs> isn't all about um, the expansion of the brand for the sake of the fan. No, but it's Bob, all about the expansion, the expansion of the cents. brand is always about making money. That's what the expansion of the brand means. Well, come on now. Every, everything in life now seems is about making money. Um, so, so the NFL deal, John, yeah, are we going to notice a difference? Are we going to notice a difference when the new deal starts? How, and how much difference will we notice when the new deal starts in a couple of years? Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, the, 
That's a really good question. Nobody's actually ever asked me that question. No, I don't think you're going to see any difference whatsoever. I think you're going to see Fox with the NFC package. You're going to see CBS with the AFC package. You're going to see uh, NBC with Sunday Night Football and ESPN with Monday Night Football. Uh, they're going to be teeny li- Look, Amazon got so many headlines, and it's, it, it was a big story because um, it's a and first time the NFL went with an all-digital package. Right. It's a big story. It's the worst package by far. It's Thursday Night Football. It's, uh, it, it, it's uh, are you going to notice that? Am I going to notice that I can't watch Thursday Night Football unless I, I, I go to Amazon? Maybe some people are. Ultimately, the way people in, in the States will consume NFL football in 2032 is going to look remarkably similar to the way they consume football in 2021. Well, let me ask you something, because uh, I operate under an, uh, a certain assumption. I'm not sure if you think it's true. I would watch Thursday night football if my team was playing. Maybe. If my team's not playing, there's no chance. I, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not an NFL fan. I'm a, I'm a fan of a particular team. And there may be five games in a year that are intriguing enough to me to watch. Am I normal or abnormal? Do you play fantasy football? No. Uh, you're, uh, the, um, this actually kind of goes back into sports gambling. And I think why, why all the leagues are <coughs> to go radically into uh, sports gambling. Because I will watch Thursday night football if it's the Jaguars versus the Jets. If I have a, a player on one of those teams on my fantasy team. And if you take a look at fantasy numbers, it's not and for the NFL. It's not just hardcore fans are bringing in a ton of casual fans. And the main reason why NFL ratings have gone up as high as they have is that fantasy football is, is so much more popular that, that, than everything else. And so that's, I think that's sort of the, the, the main thing there. Um, and if it's your team in the States, uh, the, the, the NFL is still heavily broadcast. If, if uh, mm-hmm. the Washington football team is playing on Amazon, I'm going to be able to see it on local television, uh, broadcast television in my market there. It's not totally exclusive. The lo- local market still will be able to watch it via TV. So, so what did Amazon really buy then? <laughs> they, bought a, they, they bought a mechanism for you to buy a jersey if, uh, if you happen to like the jersey at that point, you know, point and click. <laughs> well, well, you know, you know I, I'm an Amazon Prime guy. I get the package anyway. You know, yeah, I get and, the package anyway. And this is, I think this is the, the uh, thing that um, the all of the leagues have discovered is it, uh, cable, the cable TV business, the entire TV business grew so big on the backs of sports because they were able to sort of charge consumers. That It's a different revenue model for, for big tech. Like mm-hmm. everybody, Amazon has over a hundred million subscribers already that, for, for Amazon Prime. Uh, it's, it's a completely different business model for them. And so the idea that Amazon is going to come in and take every NFL game. It doesn't need every NFL game. It just needs enough games for enough people to come in. And every single streaming service will tell you that I'm going to go to Hulu to watch the NHL game because I'm a big hardcore NHL fan. But once I'm in in Hulu, I'm going to say, oh, I, I want to watch that. And I want to, and, and you end up stuck in Hulu and you end up watching different things and, and they, they nab you. And I think that's, uh, it's, it's not about pure volume, which is ESPN and Fox Sports One and, you know, the soon to be departed NBC Sports Network. It's, it's about, you know, just getting a taste of it. Right. 
Uh, we got about five minutes or so left or less. Um, you know, here's three guys who have been through uh, a, a lot of years of, of watching things evolve. And every so often, the baseball antitrust exemption comes up. Somebody raises the issue of, well, we should get rid of that. And um, nothing has happened. I don't, I really don't have an opinion on whether baseball should keep its antitrust exemption or not. Some parts of it suggest yes to me. Some parts say, well, maybe not. But it's on the table again. Is there any reason to believe that um, the current movement will be any different or more successful than prior ones? Um, my quick read on it is no, uh, mainly because the uh, the senators that, that, that brought this up are really pull up a polarizing trio. That's got, it's going to be very difficult for them to get bipartisan support for for a, a punitive uh, bill like like uh, like they put forward. Um, that being said, the idea of taking away baseball's antitrust uh, exemption is like a liberal dream. Like like the, the, the left of the left love that idea. And so the idea that, that now, you know, hardened right-wing conservatives are, are putting it forward, could they get like a, a liberal wing to say like, yes, you know, we, we don't like how you got there, but we do like the end result. Um, there's a possibility there. Uh, being somebody that lives in DC, I, I can't see them working together <laughs> on that. Uh, and so I, I think it's, it's pretty close to DOA, but it's, uh, it is something that has, um, uh, you know, baseball executives and, and really all sports executives, you know, they, they're not taking it lightly. They, they, they have a, a deep eye on this. Yeah, I can't see Ted Cruz and AOC working together on anything. So that, that's one thing. Um, but at, at the same time, uh, are we ever going, sports used to be and sports on television used to be escapism. I guess we're beyond that now, right? Sports and politics and life will always interact now because of the different platforms? See, I'm going to push back on you, John. I don't think it's always been about escapism. I think, you know, uh, Muhammad Ali was, was somebody- But he was an exception. John, he was an exception. Jim Brown at the time was doing it. There, okay. there, 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 there are a whole lot of people that, that, that are icons of sports. I think it only became, you know, during the Michael Jordan eras, you know, sort of, uh, mm. you know, the, uh, even Repub Republicans buy sneakers type eras where it was like, okay, let's, let's stay and keep a middle ground. And I think that we've seen like, you know, uh, 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 things that LeBron James have done. It's, it's a, uh, like the NBA players have been particularly uh, forward about doing that. They haven't been hurt in terms of sponsorship uh, revenue um, uh, and, and getting sponsorships. As far as I know, the sponsors haven't, haven't fled at all from that. And I think that's going to embolden more and more people to, to do what they view as going back to like a, a 1960s sort of mindset. On the baseball antitrust thing, uh, last point, I suppose, um, one of the things we see regularly in Washington, which is where you are, um, are concepts, ideas um, in Congress where they take a perhaps controversial um, idea that they want passed and bury it in a um, um, a bill that's as, uh, you know, a as thick as the Bible. And it's not that people won't notice it, they do, but because there are things, other parts of that that bill, proposed bill that, that they like, they go along with it. Could, 
could we see the baseball antitrust movement do that kind of thing? Uh, why did you vote against kill, uh, uh, saving baby seals? Well, because of the baseball antitrust uh, clause that, uh, <laughs> that was involved in that. Well, but you know that happens every day. It absolutely does. Uh, I, 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 uh, people that I'm, I respect think that th that would be a very long shot. This is something that's uh, 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 going to be lobbied intensely by baseball. Is a big lobbying arm here. They, 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 they have deep oh, yeah. to, to, to get to get that done. Uh, and they have like really respected uh, uh, executives down here in DC. Uh, I find that I find it very difficult that something will be sort of slid in. And, and yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree with you at all, John. I'm I'm just saying that they they may. They I, may I, I would I would imagine that that is a that is a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, they may try that, but you you are right. We have we have seen this issue come up numerous times over the last thirty or forty years, and baseball continues to survive with their antitrust exemption, and I suspect they. That's not about to end. Uh, we are out of time. It has been a delight to have you on the program. Uh, nice to meet you face to face too, as we are here uh, after many conversations on the radio. Uh, we hope you'll uh, give us the opportunity to uh, bug you again down the road sometime. Yeah, Thank Bob, you. I, I, I've talked to you many times on the radio. I've covered John. It, it was such a treat to see John's name pop up in my email inbox. I've covered him for like 20 years now. So it's a, oh. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I like uh, th This has been a, a fun conversation. Thanks. We, uh, for us too. We thank you again and uh, look forward to seeing you down the road. Thank you, John. Bob McCowan, John Shannon, we only got a few seconds here. Our thanks to John Oren for joining us from a sports business journal and we'll have him back if he'll come back, but I'm not Did sure. Did you hear what he said though? Did you hear what he said? Followed my career for 20 years. Yeah, well, Pretty clearly good. he's a guy with time on his hands and nothing else in his, on his mind. Yeah, I, th I, think he, I think it was good to have one of my buddies on. It's good. Okay, well, bring another one on tomorrow. Let's see how long <laughs> we, can, we can make this string last of all your buddies. Uh, that'll do it for us. Not a moment too soon before his ego explodes the screen. Uh, for uh, John Shannon, Bob Cowan, uh, see you again tomorrow. Bye, everybody.